Yeah, as you say, uh, European Commission invests billions on, on research and innovation uh, and, and uh, selecting the, the best projects proposal that, that we mentioned at the beginning. And uh, I think this is uh, an excellent way to boost uh, research and to boost innovation and also the deployment of innovation. Uh, this, uh, the model of the, the European Commission is to incentivate the collaboration. So that's that's very important. So yeah. incentivate the collaboration between different uh, uh, actors and stakeholders, uh, so that when you uh, develop a, a solution or uh, a service, uh, yeah, whatever is the scope of your project you have to consider all the players and and then you start bringing together the industry that develops this technology, technology that you need, uh, but also the research center or the university with a, a, a huge knowledge on the specific topic. Yeah. Uh, but also you need to collaborate with another industry because this other industry is doing a complementary component or solution for you. Uh, and then you need to collaborate uh, in, in our case in the transport you need to collaborate with an operator maybe uh, that is operating a service that you want that is using the technology uh, and then you want to have also the involvement of the city because yeah. this technology and the service is deployed in the city uh, and then you need the involvement of the authority to that, 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 has to, that will uh, receive this this service in their city um, and, and you may need uh, startups and you may need uh, um, the representative of uh, the stakeholders like yeah. associations and uh, representative of the users um, and this mix this cocktail of, uh, of different stakeholders and actors uh, brings the innovation Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovators Podcast invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and future forecasts. In this episode, we'll be discussing about autonomous mobility and how it's reshaping our city. Our today's guest is Managing Director of PAVE Europe. PAVE is a partner for automated vehicle education. A coalition for industry, non-profit, academic institution with one goal, to inform the public about the automated vehicle and their potential. Prior to joining PAVE Europe, he was working as a co-director of knowledge and innovation at UITP. He's an expert in digitalization, mobility as a service, automated road transport, and internet of things. With 20 years of experience, he was involved in many EU projects, including space, shared, personalized, automated, connected vehicle, Autopilot, automated driving, progress by Internet of Things, iMove, focusing on mobility as a service in Europe, and then Galileo for mobility, fostering the adoption of Galileo for mass. I'm so happy to welcome my good friend, Kido Di Pascal, Managing Director of PAVE Europe. It's now time to listen and learn. Hello, Guido. It's great to have you on the show and learn from your experience. Hello, Jaspal. It's, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure for me to be here with you. It's great to have you back uh, as a good friend and uh, as a mentor, I would say. So today I'll be spending time getting to know more about you, about your new role at PAVE uh, Europe 
and uh, also your thought on upcoming trend in the mobility sector because you have worked a lot in Europe as well as now you're doing amazing work with the autonomous mobility. Now, I saw your LinkedIn profile and I was quite surprised to find some unknown things about you because I never knew that you are a software developer in past and now you work as a transport expert. So it's quite rich. But I would still ask you to share some interesting fact about your career that you're still hiding from the world and you haven't put on the LinkedIn. Thank you for the question, Jaspal. It's, uh, as you say, I had, I had a previous life in my career. Uh, yeah, it's the LinkedIn profile is quite rich. I put everything there, but uh, there are some, some aspects that I enjoyed very much. Uh, and it was amazing for me now that I think of it, like uh, when I was a software developer, I spent uh, months, for example, in, uh, in uh, commissioning uh, for, of a plant uh, for the storage of radioactive material. So I spent months in this area with radioactive material. So I was also scared <laughs> somehow uh, going every day, every day. Uh, there, but uh, and anytime there was a mistake or something to correct, people had to wear all this, uh, you know, like uh, you are in the space, clothes. yeah, protective uh, clothes, uh, and you have to do redo everything uh, from from scratch. So it was quite, uh, what well, was a very nice experience, and um, I'm happy to to have started with uh, with this type of experience then i when i moved to the um, transport sector and something that yeah probably is 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 hidden uh, and that i like very much is was this job on bids and proposal management uh, because this was uh, was giving the opportunity to to be creative and to develop ideas for projects and to start building uh, well, it, it, the, my sector was uh, ITS, so intelligent transport system. So I was thinking about uh, possible architecture for uh, the different solutions and the, uh, the components, but also the partnership. So uh, who should uh, we involve in this? Do we need a university? Do we need a, a, this supplier, this other supplier? And then bringing all together and uh, create a, a proposal, a project proposal that uh, can have an impact on, uh, yeah, on business impact and also on the society, and that can uh, uh, be accepted by uh, the client or by uh, European Commission or, or, or whatever. So that was, was very nice. Uh, and also, I, I would like to, to mention when I joined, when I, yeah, when, at UITP time, let's say, my UITP period, um, I, I, I like very much uh, the period when uh, I had to work with uh, with my team and with the mm. team uh, at at UITP and moving uh, from the uh, the development of projects and the management of projects to mentoring mm. uh, the team and to support them and to uh, be with them and try to to solve issues and uh, help them to grow this part uh, I, I like very much and maybe it's not yeah it's not what you can perceive from from a cv no that's great in fact i can i can vouch for that like you mentioned your time at uitp so fun thing i just want to share that we still miss you we are already missing you so 
you're doing great in your career so that's why we we are happy but otherwise we are sad that you left but at the same time like you mentioned you love to mentor and i that's why i said in the beginning that you are one of the mentor to me as well i learn a lot of good thing project management proposal management and also the technical side of uh, handling the project so you did a lot of work in there now following on to my previous question so like i mentioned you started your career as a software developer you worked there in fact one of the project you mentioned on your linkedin profile which is very interesting it's a automatic machine for the assembly of washing machine drum so and radioactive uh, material yes. so you do so many crazy stuff uh, in your previous uh, role and then you started your career as a innovation and project manager and consulting firm and start focusing on its and afcs and then you joined uitp you grew internally and and recently joined uh, pave europe as a managing director one thing i want to learn is like what led you to shift your career from a software developer to a innovation manager because you were doing great what was the moment when you decided okay this is enough and i want to do something into innovation and and also one of the reason like you were doing great in public transportation in 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 uitp why did you move and join pave europe so what was the reason of these career transition because i think these are the big career transition in your life moving from yes. software developer to ui the innovation role and then now uitp to pave so what led you yeah. to do that it's it, it 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 was not easy i mean i uh, uh, as um, engineer i wanted to to do some technical stuff so after graduation i wanted to uh, to work in the field that i study it was automation so i started to look for some jobs around automation i li- i like the robotics and this uh, this type of uh, stuff uh, so i i found this this job and i liked very much to to be in the field and to you know to put my finger let's say in the uh, in, in this uh, tools and uh, and this software so experience also uh, the excitement of uh, seeing um, a system working so that was very exciting and when you do it with 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 a team it's team work so you you are even more excited because at the end everyone plays a different role and at the end you see the final result all together and it was it was great uh, but at, at some point there is there is uh yeah things happened in life uh, and things uh, and other things you try to to to, to steer uh, and i also believe in, in change so the, the change gives you the opportunity to grow and to also to do something different that gives you new perspectives uh, so yeah I'm, i'm not really planning uh, to change or in to that i have a, a timeline for changing but i uh, i perceive the moment when it's time to change uh, and that at that time i said okay i i did enough on the field now i i need to do something at higher level and something where i can uh, design and uh, also work on some sort of strategy and look at the future so look at the innovation our research and what is uh possible to do if we uh look ahead uh, so that's uh, and the transport and mobility gave me this opportunity so from one side it was said to leave uh, the automation sector but from the other side 
moving to the transport and mobility uh, gave me the opportunity to, to work in the innovation and in the research. Uh, and then I started there. Then after a few years in, in this field, uh, I liked so much. And I was also in contact with UITP because UITP is a leader in research and innovation. Uh, and uh, it was quite natural for me to move from, uh, from this uh, previous company to UITP to have even a more higher level view and to also to have, you know, UITP offers the possibility to, uh, to, to work and engage and be in contact with a huge network yeah. and to be in contact with authorities and operators and uh, industries. Uh, so it's it's uh, the next level or layer of abstraction or uh, <laughs> you know of um, where you can really work on on innovation and strategy. Uh, so that was uh, uh, I think uh, a milestone for me to ATP. And then yeah, you said uh, about the the last move uh, joining. Pave Europe. Um, maybe we talk about that uh, later. It's um, it was like uh, also for me a natural move. Uh, it was um, yeah. I was I was looking for something that I could build mm. uh, by myself, but of course with the help of those who are working with me uh, and the other the members that founded this new association. Uh, but a new challenge. Uh, that could give me the possibility to um, to use all the experience that I gained over the years and uh, to to build something something new and of course in the field that I like which is transport and automation so now I'm combining <laughs> so it's a it's a full circle of life you started yes. from automation and robotics went to transport and now you're back into automation automation exactly using the I loop it's a loop of life. And I really love your line about uh, that change give you opportunity to grow. So change is very important in life. So if you are not changing, because we are changing every day, but you need to adapt to that change and it's an opportunity yeah. to grow. I love that line. I'll use it everywhere now. It's a mindset. You need to... Yeah, to, to... it's a mindset. It's a growth mindset to, to change. Yeah. Now you mentioned about you're back into automation and you're working with PAVE as a managing director for PAVE Europe. Uh, those who don't know, PAVE is a partner for automated vehicle education, uh, which is quite interesting. So why don't you share a little more, more about, about the organization, what PAVE is doing, what is its mission? In fact, I saw they have a PAVE Canada uh, also. Uh, so they are expanding. Yeah. And how this organization is looking to make a big impact in autonomous mobility. Would love to yeah. know more. Yeah, uh, PAVE uh, is partner, stands for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education. So education is the, the key word here. Uh, well, it, this is starting from uh, uh, studies and over studies that have shown that the biggest hurdle for the adoption of uh, autonomous vehicles, automated mobility, is okay, regulation can be technology, but the biggest hurdle is the people, 
the acceptance yeah. of the people of this technology. Uh, and maybe it was the same for other technologies in the past. But in this case, um, trust of people to this technology is, is very important. Yeah. Uh, and to build this trust, it is it's very important that people understand the technology. So if yeah. they understand, they trust it. And if they trust it, they start to use it. And if they start to use it, at the end, what uh, happens is that innovation come because you start trusting and using a new technology and the new technology can bring you to uh, the unknown or to new services or to new application like it happens uh, with the internet or uh, because you start trusting this. So PAVE uh, and PAVE Europe, so I'm, I'm uh, representing PAVE Europe here, uh, is a non-profit association, a coalition of uh, uh, organizations, uh, industries, startups, uh, uh, non-profit, uh, public sector. So every everyone, every uh, organization that has an interest on uh, automated mobility uh, with uh, the scope of educating the public opinion so I wouldn't say the users, but the public, so everyone, because everyone will be concerned about this technology. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the public sector, of course, the authorities and the cities and the uh, national ministries and, and departments. So it's, uh, it, and it, it has, let's say, two beliefs mainly. Uh, one is that we believe that automated mobility can really uh, improve road safety and sustainability and mobility efficiency. Okay, this I think we, we can agree uh, on this. The second belief is that uh, we need uh, users to understand that and accept this to, yeah. to progress and to move forward. Because, and the reason why uh, this group of amazing. Um, organizations as stakeholders wanted to create PAVE is because they believe that this should be done together. Mm. Uh, so everyone should, should contribute to this because uh, you can compete on the services, on the technology, but you cannot compete against misinformation or against uh, uh, misunderstanding and then uh, uh, the, the, the non-accepted yeah. technology. So that's uh, uh, that, that's the main uh, the main mission, and um, I'm, I'm happy to have joined this because I personally uh, like this technology, and I believe that this technology can really improve our mobility system. And I'm not talking about the vehicle; I'm talking about the, the mobility system. I fully agree with you. In fact, if you look at any technology adoption, there is always some resistance. In fact, when the mobile were launched, there were a lot of resistance. Nobody thought how these small devices can change our life. Nobody predicted 10 years back that our camera, our video, our phone, our notebook, our reminder, our television, our entertainment, our connection, everything will be in just one device which will be carry. And with so much of memory, you can carry unlimited number of memory with you now with the cloud computing and all. So nobody thought, and same way, I think with autonomous mobility, we still not sure how it will change our life in future because 
we just have scratched the surface so moment we have those kind of opportunity available then we will realize that how our life will be completely changed uh, in future so i agree yeah. with you it's uh, it's a uh, there's a lot of work required on the education side and make people ready for that just uh, uh, i mentioned surveys and studies but just uh, two or three days ago were released was released a new study uh showing that uh, only the 27% of the global population would would accept or believe that this technology is safe 27% 27% so yeah there's uh, so there is there is uh, a lot of work for education <laughs> for people. there's a lot of work there's a lot of work no i i i in fact the study which we are mentioning in fact i i get a chance to see that and you rightly mentioned one of the the biggest challenge for autonomous mobility is not the regulation technology uh, or infrastructure it's about the user perception and confidence and the study you are i think mentioning is about this jd power uh, us mobility confidence index yeah. and which was yeah. done in partnership with pave and there is a low confidence of people basically consumer show very low level of readiness to accept or riding in a fully automated or self driving vehicle and using fully automated or self driving public transit i mean we can travel in a automated train but it's still not clear for us how we will be traveling in a automated bus or a self driving bus so how do you see that autonomous mobility industry can overcome this challenge and and will city or authority have any role to play in this area well uh, for sure for sure it's it's very important that the uh, the cities and the authorities are involved uh, in in uh, in this uh, introduction and introduction of this technology i mean they they are also the ones uh, directly connected to the citizens so yeah and they they are also the the organizers of the mobility in the in the cities so it is it is very important that they they participate uh, and they participate in partnership with the private sector uh, to um, uh, to make these campaigns and, uh, and in fact i hope that we will get in europe this engagement and this involvement of the public sector and the, the authorities and transport authorities that can help us uh, in uh, uh, in engaging with the with the public with the users and uh, other type of users so that we can not only uh yeah create um yeah uh, uh, the framework for their understanding but also to co-create with the citizens yeah. and co-create with them uh, the services that are needed uh, i like very much the one of the um, one of the major transport providers said that we don't need to uh adapt the services to the technology but we need to adapt to the, te- the technology to the services and mm. the services are for the end users uh, and for that we need the the authorities to help i love your point about co-creation that city and government and authority need to co-create with the industry you can't do it alone not neither the industry nor the the, the city or authority and you need to adopt the services to the technology not other way around because i mean it's part of a change management if you never change with the new technology if we like even if i give you a smartphone and you still use it just to make call and you don't change yourself to access the internet or to access any web browser or any app 
it means you are not fully potentially using the full potential of the no. the technology so it means yes. uh, it doesn't matter whether you have a 1g or 5g because you are still using in the same same old fashioned way yes yes and if you if you don't learn to use it uh when uh, at the beginning that you will you will never use it <laughs> so there agree. is a curve and you, you use it at the beginning or you Oh, you will you will you will drop out and you will not yes. use the full potential now one of the important point which you mentioned and uh, you actually work in europe for past two decades and one of the key role for for you was to work a lot with eu commission and european commission on a lot of project generally europe everybody see europe as a role model for public transport system it's it has world's best public transport system or infrastructure and big credit goes to the city and state because they invest in these services but there is one more secret ingredients which i feel because i i also closely work in this area is which people not fully aware of is the the role play by the mobility and transport division of uh, european commission because the department invest a lot of money in research and pilot project in different region and and uh, you were part of a lot of these project uitp is one of the largest uh, player who is conducting a lot of these pilot and project on behalf of eu commission can you share a little more about uh, the eu commission model how eu commission model work and other point is what other countries and region can learn from it because i see a lot of countries are investing in in transportation and mobility but they are not still able to reach the full benefit of it like i know in north america the government of canada transport canada is investing fta is investing in us then in asia a uh, lot of cities are investing but they still not able to bring out the new technique and technology forward so what we can learn from europe yeah as you say uh, european commission invests billions on on research and innovation uh, and and uh, selecting the, the best projects proposal the, that we mentioned at the beginning. And uh, I think this is uh, an excellent way to boost uh, research and to boost innovation and also the deployment of innovation. Uh, this, uh, the model of the, the European Commission is to incentivate the collaboration. So that's, that's very important. And so yeah. incentivate the collaboration between different uh, uh, actors and stakeholders uh, so that when you uh, develop a, a solution or uh, a service uh, or yeah, whatever is the scope of your project, you have to consider all the players. And, uh, and then you start bringing together the industry that develops this technology, technology that you need, uh, but also the research center or the university with a, a, a huge knowledge on the specific topic, yeah. uh, but also you need to collaborate with another industry because this other industry is doing a complementary component or solution for you. Uh, and then you need to collaborate, uh, in, in our case, in the transport, you need to collaborate with an operator, maybe, uh, that is operating a service that you want, that is using the technology. Uh, and then you want to have also the involvement of the city. Because mm. this technology and the service is deployed in the city, uh, and then you need the involvement of the authority to that 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 has to that will uh, receive this this service in their city. Um, 
and, and you may need uh, startups and you may need uh, um, be a representative of uh, these stakeholders like yeah. associations and uh, representative of the users. Um, and this mix, this cocktail of, uh, of different stakeholders and actors uh, brings the innovation uh, because the end not only uh, brings the possibility to exchange ideas uh, because you know especially in Europe we are very diverse uh, in terms of cultural um, uh, and culture and also the way we work and, and the different states but in this way uh, you give the possibility to exchange and also yeah. to have uh, uh, to exchange between universities uh, so you grow the, um, the your research and also to compare uh, what is happening in one city and in another city why this service is working in this city but isn't mm. uh, can this service also work uh, in, in this other cities or or in the north you have uh, specificities because of the weather or because of the geographical context and and then this gives really the opportunity to uh, to advance. Yeah. And the European Commission is is funding this because they, of course they want to uh, to to support the European industry because at the end it's a way to advance the yeah. the, uh, the industry uh, and, and putting money to um, lower the risk. On the financial mm. risk of this company, because they 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 receive financial support for research, which is, you know, you don't know what the results will be, uh, so they are covering partially the, the these financial risks for in research and innovation, and I think that this model works works very well, and gives also the opportunity to many young people to to learn. Yeah, and to be in contact with that with uh, their peers in other cities, in other universities, in other industries. So, it it, it it's the way to to grow, uh, and this could could be I don't know if it, this could be replicated in other uh, regions like South America or uh, in, yeah uh, in North America or in Asia. But uh, it's uh, it's a um, a model, I think, that uh, is, is really, really working in Europe, especially because you, our history, we are, we are coming from different histories in our yeah. continent, and we speak also different languages. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's a model that is uh, contributing a lot to build the Europe, European Union. I think you share some of the very interesting points because I never thought from that point of view. One is that you're not giving money to these companies for selling the product, but supporting their R&D. So in a, in a case, you are advancing them. Like a lot of cities, what they do is they're just giving them money or subsidize their product. But instead of subsidizing their product, you subsidize their cost and reduce their financial risk, which is very interesting. Yeah. And the second point, which you also mentioned, because I see a lot of demonstration projects happen in in U.S., are in Canada, but they are very city specific or, or the province specific. But the challenge is you never have a chance to learn from each other. I mean, there are more than 50 states in the US and they get funding and they work in silo. But uh, this is a model where people can exchange learning with each other. The universities can collaborate. 
the industry can collaborate and then operator can collaborate with each other and learn and exchange and share why it can work in one geography and why it will not work in other geography which is which is quite interesting i never thought from that point of view so thanks for sharing that uh, i think But what you said is right bang on in the uh, what the european commission ask in return is sharing yeah it's okay it's of course deployment of what you promise in in your proposal but it's also sharing uh, the results and 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 this is the way to uh, to, to to advance in in research at european level because you are sharing your results and then you can uh, uh, see if this can be transferred to other context and because this is funded by public money yeah by taxpayer it's it's important that results are, are shared but of Very course gross. what can be shared what is not confidential which is great which is great because then then you don't need to repeat the cycle the other mm -hmm. city can learn from what what being done in other city and deployment now you work on a lot of eu commission project i i can name like 10 or 15 project you work so you were so busy i know every week you were busy in making a new proposal and i also know now you declare your first love is automation but your second love which a lot of people don't know is mass mobility as a service uh, that's something very close to your heart uh, and one of the project you did for mass was i move which was basically aimed to accelerate the deployment and unlock the scalability of mass scheme in europe and uh, like you said uh, every project is pan europe so different city and that project was also implemented in four city the pilot were done in berlin gothenburg manchester and turin there was a lot of hype about mass everybody was predicting that mass will change everything and uh, we will and, and i remember when we used to have discussion about i new project we were predicting that mass will be a big thing in next 4 5 year but everything fizzled out now my question is because you work in this space very closely you saw these four city you saw a lot of other project happening in mass what did we miss like why mass was not able to pull it off and secondly is it is it still possible to get it right do you think it's still possible to make mass work uh in europe and outside europe yes mass mass is uh is close to to my art it's uh, <laughs> no it's because when uh, Yeah, when when I started to learn about mass, well, we started uh, in one of my previous activities uh, with integration of services and uh, also ticketing, uh, integration and clearing, and how to you know, integrate different services and then redistribute, you know, the uh, the different uh, incomes to to the, the different service providers. So it was is coming from from a long time long time ago, but then in 2015, I think it was launched this idea called mobility as a service, and then we had uh, this project uh, like iMove that you that you mentioned. Uh, I think mass is still the right uh, one of the important tool uh, for the future of uh, sustainable mobility. So this. Uh, I mean, it's something that we have learned in these years. It was very important uh, uh, in projects like iMove and other projects to have pilots mm. and to uh, to demonstrate that it's not so easy. Yeah. To demonstrate that it's not enough 
to have a great uh, platform that, that is capable to yeah to connect the different services uh, that that's that's not enough uh, you need uh, uh, you need collaboration or integration at, at other levels mm. maybe this was missed or underestimated at that time also the user in, engagement was not really considered yeah uh, because it's not easy to to gain customers from the, the you know the privately owned cars if you don't offer a similar uh, service or level uh, and the, the engagement of the user again user acceptance was not really uh, considered uh, mm. at that time uh, and also the the fact that you need to adapt or the, the the different models of mobility as a service to the different context so you cannot build something that is uh, uh, that is adaptable or that is good for every city, every yeah. context, every region. So you need to understand the, the local context. You need to understand the local stakeholders. What are their uh, their needs? Uh, but also how they would make uh, uh, a viable business or they would make money out of uh, uh, of this uh, participating in this mass. Yeah. Um, ecosystem. So it was not really considered. And then uh, the different actors that wanted, that should have uh, been integrated, started to say, well, I can be the mass integrator. Why mm. this other one should be the mass integrator? And then the conflict uh, started. Uh, started. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it, it's possible. Uh, now we are. We are. We have a. We uh, are yeah, more aware of what is needed to have a successful mass. Uh, maybe we, we don't need to start uh, from the big picture or from the big, uh, you know, um, platform or s system, but just look at the local context and look at uh, um, uh, at the needs of specific customers. So maybe you can build a, a mass. A service for a target group or specific yeah. customers like employees or like uh, I don't know uh, yeah whatever you can you can name them uh, and maybe not for all type of uh, of services and I think now we are moving towards this uh, uh, and it is understood that the collaboration between public and private again is is very important I see. I see now initiatives uh, in Europe, also in Italy or in France, uh, where, yeah, at the national level, they are building uh, support to, to, to expand and to promote mobility as a service. So at least these projects were successful in raising the awareness and uh, educating also in this case, uh, all the stakeholders. No, all these are all these are great points and and I think you rightly mentioned a lot of time we do project and without considering the end customer and forget the need of the end customer and the adoption of end customer and and I love because now what you're doing for autonomous mobility you're putting customer in the center and then building things around it rather than building a technology first and tell people now here's the technology use it but you're saying no 
we need to bring customer forward and build use case around that so great great thanks for sharing that you and and like you have such a vast experience in this area we can just talk hours and hours on this topic i want to come back to your first love which is autonomous mobility and the automation and you started your career in automation then you work uh, automation in public transportation you work on couple of project at uitp space uh, and other which were on autonomous mobility but now you are you are working in pave and here you are not looking after the passenger you are also looking after the logistic you are looking after the last mile delivery everything about uh, autonomous mobility it doesn't only mean passenger so basically i want to ask you uh there are a lot of pilots happening right now on public road for autonomous mobility the robo taxi cruise waymo uh, even bedu in china they are doing those project uh, tesla we already see they have a self driving vehicle they claim that they, this can work we see a lot of vehicle with autonomous delivery robots but still there are a lot of lot of doubt about it when it will happen so so my first question is when can we expect a fully autonomous fleet on the public road and will it move passenger or goods so whether we will see more autonomous mobility for vehicle or for goods yeah that's that's an excellent <laughs> question that's also you need uh, you know it's uh, it's not easy to say but what i can say is that um, uh, a few years ago probably we we were too optimistic uh so there were hmm, yeah industry was was saying that uh, for 2021 or yeah yeah around it was uh, the autonomous autonomous vehicles were uh, providing services and were uh, available in in our streets uh but i think it's also good i mean the good news is that if you you know this uh, uh, this curve of gartner Uh, now yeah, we are with the autom- yeah with the, with the autonomous vehicles we are in the in this phase of disillusionment mm. uh, but rising towards the the actual deployment of it so in a way we all know that we have to go through this <laughs> apparently and so now we are starting to uh, the second phase i would say um, and also looking at the the tests and well, the experience that was gained by the different providers in the past year uh they also say that we had years of trials mm. uh that were very useful that were very important uh to test the technology but now uh it's time to move to the second phase uh, at least for the you know, the fully uh, the, uh, autonomous vehicles so called level 4 uh and to start providing the services so your question when it will happen i don't know exactly the date but it it is starting to happen and as you mentioned in us already there are uh, robotaxi providing uh real services yeah even, even if in specific hours of the day and uh, specific uh, odd operational design domains uh but they are they are there providing the service and the same in europe which is a more uh, shuttle robo shuttle oriented um market uh, but 
probably a robotaxi will come soon as well in Europe. Uh, we start to seeing them. We start yeah. to see them operating. Um, in in Pave in Europe, we have uh, this uh, focus on level four, okay. uh, which means um, fully or highly automated vehicles without the intervention of a, a driver, but in specific conditions. Mm. Uh, so specific geographical conditions called the operational design domain, this ODD. Yeah. So where you, you, you know the environment or the vehicle knows the environment uh, and also under specific weather conditions and so on. So in these cases, I think they are coming. They are coming. Uh, and this could provide a real service to the, to the users. To the user. To the user. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you said rightly that we look at passenger transport, uh, but also at goods. And uh, I think that uh, goods can be, or can be um, uh, even uh, better use case I mean, in the short term, because it's uh, uh, first of all is highly needed to yeah. to remove the driver from the tracks uh, for business model, of course, and for driver shortage. Yeah, uh, and uh, if you think they are, let's say, uh, moving in uh, almost uh, well defined path in uh, highways or uh, for long distances. From the technological point of view and from this uh, ODD point of view, is easier. So this could come earlier, and in fact, there are tests and uh, um, on, on this direction, and also uh, last mile delivery and urban logistics are quite quite advanced. So, yeah, I, I would say that uh, we 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 should see soon services. Uh, in logistics and trucks and uh, autonomous passenger autonomous vehicles very linked to public transport very linked to public transport that's i and i think that's the best way to go forward also rather than having an autonomous car personalized car I, I love your point about this gartner hype uh, model because four five years back we were too optimistic that everything will change and recently, Bloomberg published this article, and you must have heard that they mentioned that $100 billion is wasted on self-driving vehicle, and we are nowhere. But I think when you have more skeptic, things happen, because now you're not working in hype. You are working more in reality, closer to reality. So we are right in that disillusionment phase, yes. and, and, and things will be reality soon. We can only go up. <laughs> we can we can go only up. You know now there is it's already uh, too much of downfall. So you you don't need to now do much. Now you love this technology and you are going. You're not somebody who just look at from outside, but you go deeper into this technology. And one of the key thing we see in autonomous vehicle or mobility is the use of technology for sensing. And there are two approach which companies are following. One is a lidar base. Uh, using radars and second is this vision-based sensing approach which started actually by Tesla and Toyota is now following it and now they are also going for this vision-based sensing using cameras to capture image and process that and make decision of that. You have so much of experience and knowledge in this area. If I ask you which technology will work 
and or or i would say which technology you are more bullish on and and why because if i need to invest in a startup should i invest in a lidar base or camera base yeah well i, I i'm not saying uh what is best because also to be neutral in us <laughs> <laughs> towards our members uh but i well based on what i know and in my experience uh, uh yeah you say we have uh, the, the vision based or the, the sensing through cameras and uh, leaders uh, where i see two, two aspects one is safety and the other one is performance hmm. so the the camera and the vision based system is uh, it is connected and is based on machine learning yeah uh, so machine learning is becoming more and more accurate and more and more sophisticated of course uh, but as far as i know it can make mistakes still mm. you, you know it's it can can mix some uh, yeah, uh, some of the images and interpretation of images uh perceived so it can it is improving it is uh, advancing the technology but it still can make mistakes on the other end it has high performance because yes. you can you can uh, uh it is content based uh, content sensitive so with the with the camera you know what you you see and you can react accordingly yeah with the with the leader is the sort of the opposite so you you don't know what what it is but you uh, 100% uh, detect an obstacle uh, so in terms of safety is is better because you you know that there is an obstacle uh, with high accuracy but in terms of in terms of performance it's, it's lower because you don't know what it is yeah and then it means that the vehicle may may stop simply because uh, there's no way to detect the, the the what 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 is this object and then react accordingly. So you see, you have two different technologies that, uh, and you have to balance them. And the, it, it depends. It depends the the risk you want to take, and depends yeah. uh, uh, what you want to to invest more and uh, yeah, what is more important for for your uh, technology and service. Again, I would say I never thought these two technology in that sense of safety and performance. And you rightly mentioned with, uh, in fact, there was a funny video showing Tesla was following a horse carriage vehicle because it cannot able to recognize horse carriage vehicle on the road. So it was predicting that vehicle into either a man or as a walking person or a slow car or truck. So for image base, that's a that's another challenge because you you need a lot more information to process well so you have a better performance but the safety may be compromised and in lidar base you have other or probably in future we'll have a vehicle which have both so which can have yeah. a high performance and high safety which which is very expensive then it's uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always uh, there is a compromise how yeah. good you want to make thing but but yeah. let's see how technology is changing we are seeing lot more advancement and like you said we are in that phase where things are more closer to reality than hype so yeah. people will come out with something now 
you although undermine this point but i feel one of the key or one of the big hurdle for autonomous mobility is the policy framework and regulation you said it's important but uh, user is more important but at the same time i feel like first question people will ask from the regulation point of view is if a autonomous vehicle met with an accident who will be responsible for that is it the car is it the person who is sitting in the car is it the software developer who will be responsible for that and second is how will you make sure that in case of any cyber security hack and any any cyber hack uh, again who will be held responsible we also see the regulation problem for for delivery side there are a lot of these autonomous delivery robots a lot of company want to make all your delivery with these uh, sidewalk robots but but a lot of cities are banning them because it's encroaching the public area and all but in the beginning you rightly mentioned that city and authority need to work with the industry to co-create otherwise it's not possible can you share a little bit more about the regulatory framework required to make autonomous mobility success because i'm pretty sure you must be you must be going into detail and seeing what are those regulatory aspect which need to be created for industry to succeed in this area because if you don't have a good supportive regulatory framework autonomous mobility will never happen yeah you you are fully right it's uh, but the regulatory framework is first of all important for safety i mean to to ensure safety this is safety first is the uh, is the priority uh, and again uh, when you have a, a framework a regulatory framework that ensure uh, safety then you uh, you can also build the trust of people because yeah. people will will trust the technology because they feel safe because this is uh, um, they they can use a service that is uh, is safe and uh, is regulated let's say um in uh, in Europe, we we have this uh, now we, we have this recent regulation that was uh, released uh, last July. Okay. So actually, in Europe, uh, there is this framework now, regulatory framework. Of course, the each member state should uh, adopt and also adapt to to their own national uh, context. But at least this regulation. Uh, now gives the possibility uh, to 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 test and to uh, to to have on, on the roads, public roads, uh, level four vehicles, which is uh, quite um, quite a pioneer in this yeah. sense, uh, because it's uh, it allows. Uh, maybe it's uh, yeah, it's the the the, the regulation is uh, more advanced than the technology, so we. At least at Euro, as, as a European framework, so it is yeah. possible to uh, to test, and those, this framework uh, establish also the different use cases that you can uh, test uh, to get the the type approval uh, of of the vehicle. So, and there are some specifications that uh, the the provider, the manufacturers, needs to follow, uh, and to test against use cases like highway chauffeur or shuttles or robot taxi, up to up, and so on. Um, so it's it, it's it's important the regulation because this this framework can give reassure the users that there is a, 
there are safety specifications that they can trust yeah uh, and uh, also gives the possibility to the industry to test this their technology to, to try their technology in uh, in real context uh, there are also some more and more living labs in mm. Europe, uh, at least where uh, the industry can test uh, the, the technology uh, and, uh, and try all the different functionalities and also use this, uh, uh, these living labs to get the approval, the type approval, so the certification. Uh, so it's, it's very important because so far it was uh, left to the decision of the city to give the permission to test uh, the, the vehicle for a limited period in a limited area. Uh, so it was very, very limited uh, for, and for the industries, you know, they, they need to, to try and test the technology. But that's, that's a very good uh, advancement from, from the European side. No, I mean, Europe is always much advanced compared to other city or other countries in the world regarding the regulation. Some of the forward-looking regulation come from Europe. No, I'll, I'll happy to put this in the show note so that people can access and see that how Europe is regulating. Because I know there was some regulation came out in China, some state, or there was a federal regulation in US too on autonomous vehicle in Canada too. And they are, everybody's trying to now create some kind of a regulation. And I think that's an important point when each country should look at what others are doing and, and try to bring some good aspect from each other and make a, and it should be flexible. You can't, the innovation can never happen under a stringent regulatory framework because then no. you can't do much. So, no. so you have to make it more flexible so the innovation can happen and, and grow. Exactly. exactly. Now, one of the important point, which from UITP side also, and, and otherwise, uh, one of the key points for autonomous mobility is that it can be a big boon or it can be a big bane for the city, depending on its uses. And you rightly mentioned that the autonomous mobility for public transport is good. We have a good use case of robotaxi when it's shared, it's good for society. But at the same time, the self-driving cars will be kind of a nightmare for, for city because everybody will try to own a self-driving car and they will be running 24 into seven because you don't, you don't need to worry about anything else. What should we do to make sure that the autonomous ability can help city rather than destroy our cities? Yeah. And how do you see the evolution of autonomous buses? Do you see there'll be a big push for autonomous uh, buses, the big buses, or you see they will be the last one to come on the road? Yeah, thanks. Thank you for the for the question. This is, I mean, it's it's the question because we need to. Uh, I think that the autonomous mobility. So it's it's mobility. We need to make it uh, autonomous in the sense that the the mobility in the city should be optimized, mm. and optimizing the the mobility in the city uh, means to make it more more efficient. Uh, uh, in terms of congestion, in terms of uh, use of the space of the city uh, and the livability of the city itself. And I, I, I think the, the city authorities know, know this very well, uh, that they need to, to, to reach and 
to achieve this goal. Uh, so it's important that the autonomous vehicles are introduced in the right way. In the right way means uh, they don't have to uh, fulfill the city with additional cars, uh, additional vehicles. They yeah. need to provide complementary service to the existing mass transit uh, to improve the mass transit where, where it needs to be improved. Uh, and only in this way, then you can, you can really have uh, efficiency in mobility. And again, if you put the customer at the center, uh, then you will start thinking about what is needed for the different categories of users. Uh, how can you pro can you provide a personalized service uh, that is um, uh, that is not it's a private car, but can also be the use of an automated car, automated robot taxi that needs yeah. and brings you to the station, and then you take the train and go. Or maybe in some cases it is better to have a door-to-door autonomous mobility. So it it this 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 tailored. Uh, service uh, combined with the general interest that is the big challenge uh, for me and where autonomous vehicles can really help uh, because it is uh, removing some costs and is uh, bringing some uh, uh, improvement in terms of efficiency so you can use these vehicles all the time they don't need to be parked because as we all know 90-95% of the time a car is just part. Yeah. Uh, so you, it, it's an asset that you don't use. So why don't you use it with an autonomous vehicle? You, you could use it at the best. And then uh, we come to the uh, efficiency of the existing public transport, maybe with autonomous buses. Or, yeah. Uh, and and uh, the autonomous buses uh, are a very good business case for for automation because again you. Uh, you remove in this case the driver, which yeah. is the highest cost for the operators, uh, and uh, you can you can uh, uh, use this uh, services in confined environment. So again, it is easier from the technological point of view. Just think, for example, of an autonomous BRT bus rapid transit. Yeah, so I you was have thinking a about the segregated. Same. Yeah, you have a segregated uh, lane. Uh, it's the first step for automation, uh, actually. Uh, this this could be a very very good use case. Uh, and again, if this is optimized in terms of mobility, so improving the efficiency of the current public transport, make it more autonomous, plus complementing it with uh, um, with this other more flexible and on demand uh, transport. But, uh, yeah. No, I agree with you. In fact, I was thinking the same use case is uh, because there's a lot of city in, especially in North America now looking BRT as a solution. You don't have that much of uh, passenger demand to go for trains. So other option could be just to build the BRT lane and put these buses. And when you have this dedicated right of way, so probably removing driver can be one of the option because at the same time they have a huge shortage of driver. I was reading yesterday in, in one of the city, I can't name, but then in one of the city, they mentioned that the driver can earn up to 130 to 150 K uh, annually. 
the bus driver which is which is a very good salary uh, at the same time they still couldn't able to find drivers so there's a huge shortage so it can solve both the purpose thank you so much giro i think we really had a good conversation about mass autonomous mobility about you now to end this podcast we have this rapid fire question round and the idea for this question round is to learn little more about you and uh, what do you think and i have this five question you need to just answer them quickly if you are ready i'll just start okay ready <laughs> <laughs> let's go it's it's not very it's not very uh, difficult so you will enjoy it now my first question is if you were not in technology or public transit space what other profession you would have selected okay this is quite easy uh, i would i would love uh, to to be a pianist pianist to be to 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 play piano in these uh, clubs and making concerts so that 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 was next That's life a, past life huh? hidden talent you never shared So next time when we'll meet, you need to pay. Yeah. So that's for the next, my next life. <laughs> Now, you have traveled around the world because of different projects and all, and you've been in so many different city. If I ask you, which is your favorite city in the world? Well, that's that's a very difficult question. Uh, <laughs> See, because there are so many. The easy and the difficult now. <laughs> yeah, so many beautiful cities, and they are beautiful for different aspects. Yeah. uh well can i say two you can because, go for two yeah okay thanks because one one is from my country italy so i would say napoli naples ah okay uh for many reasons this is a very special city and yeah i can you can spend hours to talk about it and the second one is um singapore 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 any particular like reason I like very much the dynamism and the, the the innovation that they bring in all sectors and uh, yeah how advanced they are of course they they are they are a, a small country a very confined country it's it's possible but uh, it's uh, every time I go there I I say wow it's no it's it's one of my favorite too uh, I never been to Nepal so I can't share much but I heard they got the best pizza in the world so yes. so that's my plan to Definitely. be there. Yeah, <laughs> try. Yeah, <laughs> But Singapore is one of the good city to see in term of land use planning and urban planning and as well as the use of public transport. Now if you feel my last question was difficult now you have the most difficult question to answer which is which city has the best transit network in the world? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, not uh, yes. Uh I, I well I, I without looking at the let's say the actual figures I would say London or Singapore London Singapore yeah again so for it's, what I experienced it's everybody's favorite London uh, is everybody's favorite I and mean, it it is one of the good public transit network the buses mm. and the train and all yeah okay so my next question is which is your favorite startup in the mobility sector or in autonomous mobility space okay interesting one uh, so without m- making any name but i i normally like those startups who are capable to to develop or to create applications on top of 
technology or services or systems that are doing something else. Like for example, you take autonomous vehicles. Uh, okay, they are they, they are supposed to, to 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 move people from A to B, but with this with this technology, with these vehicles, you have a lot of data. You have you can do many things. You can mm-hmm. bring put sensors in 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 these vehicles and collect data from the city, for example. And you can use this for monitoring the streets of the cities or yeah to to for whatever application that is not mobility. So, you know, this type of startups that think about, uh, and this is how smartphones were created. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's quite interesting what you said. It's basically thinking out of box. So don't yeah. go with the same use case. If you are collecting data through autonomous mobility, can it be used for checking the road conditions or collecting data about the city network and the crowding level and providing other feedback about the commercial opportunities. So there can be a lot of yeah. other things which can be done. Yes. No, I, I really like uh, your point. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Now, my last question is, if you can change one thing in life, what would it be? In my life? Yeah. In your life, if you can, if God give you power and say, okay, change one thing in life, you know, what do you want to change? Well, frankly, just power, nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Uh, I wouldn't change. Uh, I would, uh, I would, yeah, I like everything I did so far and everything I, I have. I mean, I, I could, I could change and tell you I would like to be the richest man in the world, <laughs> but for what I have, um, I feel the richest man in the world. So that's, to be honest, you are, you know, if, if you feel there is nothing need to be changed, you are content with life. And that's, that's about to being the richest in the world, not about money and not about fame and all. It's about how you feel happy with yourself. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. And I, I agree with you. We can do a lot of complaints about life, but finding everything what you got is, is yeah. what we have. So we should be happy with what we have. So thanks. Thanks yeah. for sharing Guido. I mean, I really enjoyed our conversation. And like I said, some of the perspective you share, I never thought from that point of view. So, so really appreciate giving those new angles and, and new perspective. And I never knew that you always want to become an automation person and uh, you were in the wrong place. Now you're back in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jaspal. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a real pleasure to be with you today. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week. You can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate mobility-innovators.com. I look forward to see you next time. Thank you.